Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here. Got something a little, little special today. We're doing kind of an unplugged, as they call it, unplugged set, uh, stripped down where we don't have the whole band, but got just kind of a small ensemble. So it's a little different than what we normally do if you're visiting with us. Uh, so this is, I always, I always love to do this because it just, it feels a little bit more like when I was a kid. Uh, we would, my family, we would sit around in the living room, you know, and play instruments and sing and just kind of enjoy making music together and praising the Lord. And so that's kind of what we're hoping this morning will be for you, uh, a time when we can just worship the Lord. Um, will you stand with us and let's sing together, God so loved the world. Praise 
Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. What a great truth to sing this morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church this Labor Day weekend. We're so glad that you're here. Um, it's great to have the storms last night and get the rain, and so we're glad that you're here this morning. And if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you, and one of the ways that we do that is through the guest card that's located in front of you. If you could take one of those out and fill it out for us. And then after the service, if you'll turn left to the Welcome Center, we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our worship this morning. We want to take a moment to pray as we begin, and then we will continue. So take a moment with me, and let's pray together. Father, I thank you just as we have sung, um, that you so love the world, that you gave your only son, that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And God, that's our prayer this morning, uh, that we would be renewed in that promise of the gospel and that others today would believe and follow you. And God, we, we trust in you to make that happen this morning. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You know, Henry Blackaby did the study, uh, Experiencing God. I don't know if you remember that study. Great study. One of the most life-changing studies I've ever done. But um, Henry would say in that book, he said, whenever you experience God, it will change you no matter what happens. When you come in contact with God, the true, the living God, and you experience him in all his fullness, it will change you. And so uh, I, what I was thinking is when we come into this place, it, it, he said where two or more are gathered together, then he will be there. That means he's here. We got, we got anybody here gathered? We got anybody here to meet Jesus today? Anybody? You know, just say amen. Yeah. That means we got two or more gathered here. That means that we will experience God today. And if you will let him touch your heart today, then you can't help but become a different person. And so this song encourages us. We want to just, uh, just to say, when we leave this place, Lord, we want to be more like you. Not because, of, not because of the great music or because Dr. Cox is such a great pastor, which he is, but it's because Jesus, God, is a great almighty God who that when we've come in contact with him, it will change us. And so I want to teach you this new song. It's called More Like You. Uh, will you stand and let's sing together. My point of view 
pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. Oh, by his wounds, by his wounds. Sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen, amen. You can be seated. We got a new song we want to teach you. When you get the hang of it, just sing along with us. Worthy to receive all the worship we 
God for what you've done this morning. We thank you for all the things you've done in our lives, the things you've done in our church. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor because it belongs to you anyway. And so this morning we come humbly before you, thanking you for all that you've done already. But Lord, asking you to touch our hearts once more through the word of God. Speak to us in the way that only you and you can, Lord. And I pray truly that when we leave this place, we'll be changed because we have experienced you. We'll be more like you because we have experienced you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that a great song? Thank you guys for sharing that with us. What a powerful song. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. Great to see you. I want to say uh, welcome to those who are watching online on this holiday weekend. If you're traveling, we're glad that you're worshiping with us, and we're grateful to have that technology and those folks who make that happen every week so that we, you can worship with us. I'm sharing a series of sermons through the book of Amos, the Old Testament prophet of Amos. And our theme for this series is Amos 3.8, The Lion Has Roared, Who Will Not Fear? We're seeking to recapture a healthy fear of God's judgment, a sense of reverence and awe 
for God. And uh, Amos enables us to do that. With the first six chapters of Amos, we've already gone through, they're the sermons of Amos. Now the last three chapters, seven through nine, are the visions of Amos. And we're going to see over the next couple or three weeks, uh, five visions that God gives to Amos. We're going to look at three of them today. Let me share, before we get to Amos 7, let me share a verse that gives a little background for this. Why are there visions here? Well, in Amos 3, 7, right before our key verse, Amos 3, 8, the lion is roared, who will not fear? In Amos 3, 7, it says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So the Bible is God's revelation through his prophets of what his plan is so that we can respond to it. God is revealing judgment in Amos because he doesn't want the people to go through judgment and he's revealing it to them that they might repent. And what we're going to see today, he's revealing it to them in order that they might pray. Today we're going to talk about intercessory prayer. Now intercessory prayer means praying for someone or something other than yourself. Uh, prayer petitions when you pray for yourself and God hears that. But now today we're going to see an example that God Here's intercessory prayer where you can pray for others. So let's begin with Amos chapter 7, verse 1. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. That's the common formula that's going to introduce all three of these visions that we're going to look at today. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. Same words each time. And notice that name for God. We've been looking at some of the names of God in Amos. He is the Sovereign Lord. Now, that's a translation of two names for God, Adonai, which means Lord, Boss, Master, and Yahweh, or Jehovah, the name for God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. Both of those are usually translated in your Bible as Lord. Yahweh is translated capital O-L-O-R-D, and Adonai, Master, Lord, is translated Lord as well. So what do you do when you put them together? It'd be Lord, Lord, and that doesn't exactly uh, seem right. So most of the translations translate it, Sovereign Lord. He's Adonai Yahweh. He's Lord, Lord. He's Lord God. He's the Sovereign Lord, and we're going to talk about his sovereignty today. So here's the first vision that he showed Amos in chapter 7, verse 1. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts. So the first vision is a swarm of locusts. After the king's share had been harvested and just as the late crops were coming up. So apparently the first cutting of hay went to the king as a tax. And you had to give the first cutting of your, your hay, your grain, to the king as a tax. And these locusts were coming after that just as the second uh, harvest was coming up. That would have been what you lived on. That would have been for the people. So this was a really devastating time for these locusts to come. It would mean destruction. And verse 2, when they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So this hadn't happened yet. Amos is just seeing a vision of what will happen in reality. So when Amos sees the vision of what's coming, he prays. He calls out to God, Oh, Lord, Sovereign Lord, forgive. Would you have mercy, he prays. How can Jacob survive? He's so small. And then verse 3, So the Lord 
relented. The Lord responded to Amos' intercessory prayer. Let's look at the second version, second vision. It just reinforces the first one. In chapter 7, verse 4, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. Same formula. The sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. So his second vision that Amos has is of fire. And this fire was so intense and so great that it dried up the great deep. It evaporated water like a volcano with that lava that flows into the sea that we see pictures of. It, it dried up the great deep and it devoured the land. And again, Amos prays, verse 5, Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. Only one word different between the first prayer and the second prayer. First prayer, he said, forgive. Second prayer, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So Amos intercedes. I want you to see here that intercessory prayer does not have to be necessarily eloquent, flowery, super spiritual, or long. Amos says, forgive. Stop. <laughs> not that eloquent. Not that super spiritual. A simple prayer from his heart that he prays that God would not do this. And again, in verse 6, so the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the sovereign Lord said. Wow, here's an example of the power of intercessory prayer. That God gave Amos this vision in advance and he's invited him he's given him the opportunity by showing him ahead of time what will happen to participate in what he's doing and Amos participates by praying and God relents that's amazing to me now I have to say to you that uh, not everybody believes what I've just shared with you what is it what does this mean that the Lord relented it is the the word when it's used of people in the Old Testament, it's translated repented. In fact, the King James Version, if you have a King James Version, that's what it says here. It says in both the, these first two visions, the Lord repented. But the New King James Version uses the word relented, like the NIV, because we think of repent as having something wrong with you, and there's no sin in God, there's no wrong in God that he would repent. But the New American Standard Bible says he changed his mind. God changed his mind or he relented and did not bring the judgment that he was planning to bring. So does God change his mind? There are some Christians that don't believe in intercessory prayer. Some who are strongly Calvinistic believe that it threatens the sovereignty of God. That if, if it means that God changes his mind in response to our prayers, then then we're sort of manipulating or controlling God. For example, uh, Chuck Swindoll, you may or may not know the name, a pastor of a little previous generation, great radio preacher, wrote a lot of books, influenced my ministry, a great, great, great Bible teacher. But one point that I disagree with him, in his book, Strengthening Your Grip, Chuck Swindoll said, let me read you this quote from that book. Um, Well, I have the quote right here. But anyway, let me paraphrase it. I got the wrong piece of paper. That's not it. So let me paraphrase it for you. Here's what he said. He said, prayer changes nothing. No puny human by his own actions or words can change the sovereign God. Prayer changes nothing. Well, is that right? Uh, is God threatened by our prayers? Here's, uh, let me show you a couple of verses up here 
uh, put up two verses, one from Malachi 3.6 and one from Hosea 11.8. Malachi 3.6 says, uh, I the Lord do not change. But Hosea 11.8 says, how can I hand you over Israel? All my heart is changed within me, all my compassion is aroused. Does God change or does he not? These two verses seem to say different things, don't they? There are several places like Malachi 3.6 that says the Lord doesn't change. He's dependable. He's not capricious. We sing that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, based on James 1.17. that says, There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not. But Hosea 11.8 in this verse says that God relented. He says, My heart's changed within me. And so those who would say that prayer doesn't work emphasize those passages say God doesn't change, so he's not going to respond to our puny prayers. But here's what I believe. God's nature and purposes don't change, I believe the Bible teaches, but God chooses to change his actions in response to our actions. God is certainly unchanging. He is altogether righteous, altogether holy, altogether compassionate, and his nature never changes. And his plan and his purpose will not be diverted. He is the sovereign Lord who is in control. But in his sovereignty, he's designed that he would respond to prayer. He didn't have to do that. He's sovereign. He can do anything he wants to, but he's decided that he will. And so he changes his actions in response to our actions. What a wonderful privilege that is. And so it lines up with his unchanging nature that he changes in response to how we change. You see, you may be headed to hell, but, but, if, but if you'll repent of your sin, God will change your destiny and you can be headed to heaven. Our nation may be headed for judgment, but there is the possibility if we intercede in prayer that God would respond to our prayers and not bring judgment. Let me show it to you where I get this from in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses um, 7 and 8. Let me read to you. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I'll relent, I'll change, I'll repent, and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, the same thing he says will happen. I'll relent, I'll change. God doesn't change, but he changes his actions in response to our actions. He's designed that to work, and here we learn he'll do it in response to intercessory prayer. He does that because, as Ezekiel chapter 18, uh, verse uh, 23 says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? Because his nature is unchanging, his compassion is unchanging, he changes his actions because his nature is unchanging. And, who, and he doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want us to experience judgment. He loves us, and because of the unchanging nature of his compassion, he will change your destiny if you will repent. So I, I believe greatly in intercessory prayer. And I want to share with you in our church the commitment that we have to intercessory prayer. In our staff meeting, we meet on Monday mornings, and we pray by name for every person 
connected with our church who's not made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Every person who's a member of a connection group role or are connected to our church in our database. We prayed just uh, at our last day of meeting for every fourth grader, or excuse me, every fifth grader by name. Two weeks ago we prayed for every fourth grader by name. Prayed for every fifth grader by name this last staff meeting. Next week we'll pray for every sixth grader by name. The following week, seventh grader and so forth through adults. We pray by name for all those who have not yet been baptized and confessed their faith in Christ. Our deacons meet once a month and our 43 deacons in our family ministry plan, you know what they primarily do in their meeting? They primarily just pray. It's primarily a prayer meeting. And they pray for what comes from your connection groups. And they pray for you. And they have a list of men who are connected to our church. Maybe they're not even on our connection group roles, but they're husbands of, of women who come by themselves to church and they don't have a, a, a husband who'll come with them to church. Or maybe they're a son who's away from the Lord. But we just pray for men. And we pray for a list of men every month that God would hear our prayers and that they would be saved. In our Wednesday night prayer meeting, at 6 o'clock every Wednesday night, we pray intercessory prayers. This past week, we prayed for our nation. We do have sort of a different focus. We always pray for any needs that people have and uh, things in our church and our ministries, but we have a different focus. This past week, we prayed by name for our president and vice president and the nine members of the Supreme Court and for the majority and minority leaders of Congress. We believe in intercessory prayer. We have about 120 people in our church who have signed up to pray for our church at a specific time every week, to pray at least 15 minutes. So all, every waking hour of the day, there's somebody, every day, there's somebody praying for our church for at least 15 minutes in that hour. We believe in the power of intercessory prayer, and this is an example of it. If you don't know how to pray, I'll begin this Wednesday night at 6.30 teaching a class called Prayer and Bible Study. Those are two parts of a conversation with God. We talk to Him in prayer. He talks to us through the Bible. You need to have a relationship with God where you talk to Him and He talks to you. And if you don't know how to do that, we'll talk about how to develop an intercessory prayer life beginning this Wednesday at 6.30 uh, in that seven-week class. I invite you to come and be a part of it. I want to ask you, are you a person of prayer? Are you, like Amos, interceding? You know, you know, sometimes what we do, we complain about stuff. We don't pray about it. Turn your complaints into prayers. Sometimes we worry about things, and we don't pray about them. Baptize your worries. Turn them into prayers. Are you actively praying for some people? Do you believe that God hears and honors intercessory prayer on behalf of our nation, upon behalf of of lost people, and have you got a you got a family member you're worried about? They're making some bad decisions. Are you praying for that? You're coming to church by yourself, kids. Are you praying for your mom or your dad? Are you praying? Uh, would you commit yourself today at the end of this service? I'm going to give you a chance just to come and kneel here or sit on the front bench and and just to maybe to begin or to renew that intercessory prayer in your life for someone. Now. I've tried to share with you from these first two visions the power of intercessory prayer. Now I want to share with you from the third vision, there's some limits to intercessory prayer. Let's look at that third vision. In Amos chapter 7, verse 7, this is what he showed me. Third vision. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. And the Lord said, look, I'm setting a plumb line 
among my people Israel, I'll spare them no longer. So the third vision is of a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is? I have a plumb line here, a low-tech visual aid. A plumb line is to help those in construction determine if something is plumb, if it is uh, uh, square. And so you have a line, a cord, with what we used to call a plumb bob. I, don't, I think it's plummet is the right name for this. We called it a plumb bob. But so you can determine if something is perpendicular. Why? Why? Because God has created a law of gravity, and this thing will always point to the center of the earth. If I let go of it, it will not jump up in the air, will it? Straight up. Will it? Ever? This way? No, it's going to go straight down because God has created that. And so God is saying through Amos, I have some moral laws that are just as sure as the law of gravity. And I'm going to measure Israel by my plumb line. It's pointed so that it's very accurate. The string comes right through the center of the top, not on the side. That would pull it off a little bit. Now, there are some things that you can tell with the naked eye that they're not plumb. I'll show you a picture of a famous building. Picture of a famous building. Do you notice anything about that building? We call that, that's the Tower of Pisa in Italy. Some of you have been there. I haven't been there. We usually call it the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It's not plumb, is it? Anybody can tell that that's not plumb. It is not perpendicular to the surface of the earth. But there are some times when it is not that obvious, and that's when you need an objective standard. Baptist Sunday School Board building, Lifeway building in Nashville, it's gone now, but when it, when it was built several years ago, they built the elevator towers first, you know, like they often do in a building, and they were two inches out of plumb from the top floor to the bottom, and they tore them down and started over. And so sometimes it's not obvious. You get construction going, and it's not obvious, and there has to be some, today maybe you use a laser or something, but there has to be some kind of objective standard to that. To determine that and that is the Word of God and, and what becomes really a problem is when we don't we're not in line with the, the objective standard have you ever been this would probably have to be some folks who are a little bit older because I haven't seen one of these in years but they used to have at tourist attractions a crazy house that was built out of plumb and the walls were out of plumb so that when you went in it, you got disoriented and couldn't tell what perpendicular it was. And you go walk. And is anybody ever remember one of those? Any, any, oh, oh, a lot of you old people. Thank you, old people, for being here. They used to have one at Six Flags. They used to have them around Gatlinburg all the time. So you would, but they had... They purposely made things out of alignment, and, and they would throw you off different ways so that when you walked through it, you, you just staggered. And then they would have water run uphill, and you'd say, look, Mom, it's water running uphill, because they'd have a little fountain and a little water running. It wasn't running uphill, but you were so disoriented by the way they had constructed this building and the way you were leaning, the floor, the chairs, the table, all built like that, that you couldn't tell perpendicular anymore, and it looked like the water was running uphill. And folks, that's where we are in America today. It's a crazy house. And parents are changing the gender of kids when they're not old enough to drive, vote, or get even any kind of license. It's, we're crazy, people, and you know that. Why? Because you know this book, the Word of God. But our society cannot see that. 
our society does not see it and we know we're living in a crazy house these people have lost a sense of perpendicular of plumb that's the way it was in Israel they couldn't see it and so God said I'm setting a plumb line among them that will reveal this not for their construction but for their destruction he says I'll spare them no longer so verse 9 says the high places of Isaac that's the places of worship will be destroyed the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined and my sword I'll rise against the house of Jeroboam I'm gonna have to tear it down because it's completely out of plumb it's beyond saving now what I want you to notice here in this third vision God did not give Amos the opportunity to pray he just said I will spare them no longer here's what I want you to hear the first two visions teach us the power of intercessory prayer but the third vision reminds us of the limits of intercessory prayer God is sovereign and he gives us the opportunity to pray but our prayers can only forestall his justice not completely do away with it we can pray for America and God may have mercy and move the timeline back of our destruction but if there's not repentance he's gonna tear it down you can pray for a lost person to be saved and God may give them other chances God may may bring circumstances and people into their lives but in the end you have to re repent so I want to say to you I've sort of criticized that view of prayer that does not believe that God changes his actions they don't believe in intercessory prayer now let me criticize another view there are those who would take prayer the other extreme where it becomes that we manipulate God and they say you just claim it in prayer I'm just gonna claim it in prayer and I hear that phrase and that phrase is not used in the Bible in connection with prayer we get it I guess from the place where Jesus says whatever you ask in my name I will do but that does not mean you can add the name of Jesus onto any prayer and just claim it and he's gonna do it the name of Jesus represents the will and the purposes of God which do not change and so just as there's an extreme of not believing in the power of intercessory prayer there's the extreme that this third vision would remind us is that you're not gonna ma manipulate God you're not gonna control God you're not gonna take over God and just claim it and he has to do it he's God and there's a limit to our thank God that he has given us the opportunity to pray and he has said I'll respond to intercessory prayer but in the final analysis in the end he sets the limits for that intercessory prayer as well and so you can go to hell even though somebody's praying for you and some of you maybe do you think about there may be somebody praying for you and for you to go to hell you're gonna have to climb over the cross of Christ and you're gonna have to climb over the intercessory prayers of people maybe your life's going in the wrong direction there's a and there's somebody who loves you that's praying for you and God because his nature is one of justice and compassion does not want anyone to to go to judgment and so he has deemed in his sovereignty to work through intercessory prayer I don't know why maybe to train us for that role in heaven of spiritual authority but he has deemed to work through intercessory prayer will you be a person of intercessory prayer we're gonna have a time of commitment and I'm gonna invite you in this time when Todd comes and sings a song or leads us in a song if you would say you know I, 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 there's somebody on my heart 
there's something on my heart, our nation, or whatever it may be. I'm going to invite you just to come and kneel here. If you're not physically able to kneel, you can sit on one of these front benches. I'm going to invite you to just come and to pray uh, as Amos did. Doesn't have to be eloquent. Doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to be fancy. Amos said, Sovereign Lord, forgive. Sovereign Lord, stop. I'm going to invite you to come and pray. While the people are doing that, maybe you're the object of somebody's prayer. Maybe uh, today you need to confess Jesus as your Savior. Uh, maybe you need to come back to Him, return to Him. So I'll be here and I'll be glad to receive you if you want to come and, and share that commitment or decision in your life. Have baptism next Sunday. Great opportunity for you to be baptized. Confess your faith. Why don't you come today? Let's stand together. As God leads you, would you respond to him? to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at his right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take him at his word and deed. Christ died to save me, this I And in my heart I find a need For him to be my Savior That he would leave this place on high And come for sinful man to Before I knew my Savior, my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. My strength, my solace from this spring That he who lives to be my king Once died to be my savior And he will leave this place on high And come for sinful man to strange so once did I before I knew my Savior my Savior loves my Savior lives my Savior's always there for me my God he was my God he is my God he's always gonna be my Savior loves my Savior 
Father, hear the prayers of your people as you heard the prayers of Amos. We pray, appealing to your mercy, your unchanging compassion, that you do not desire the death of anyone. We pray for those who don't know you as Savior, that they'll be quickened by your Holy Spirit. Pray for those who are away from you, that they'll come back to you. We pray for families and marriages that are hurting we pray for other problems that have been prayed over today. We pray for our nation that you in your mercy would not bring the judgment we need for being so out of plumb, but that you would grant us opportunity to repent and you would forestall your judgment. And we pray these things, not for in our name, but in the good and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. I want to encourage you to get connection groups if you, uh, if you could uh, that are to follow here this hour. You've spent time asking things of God, and He wants to reveal through His Word more to you. And that uh, connection groups is a great place for that to happen. Uh, also, this Wednesday night uh, we got a couple of CDP classes uh, starting up. You heard uh, Dr. Cox mention prayer and Bible study. Uh, Jake is going to be leading one on the parables, and then. Uh, Nancy Simpson's leading a course called uh, Making Life Disciples, and this is equipping us to be the church that helps with, uh, you know, pregnancy situations, uh, train some folks, uh, and a note about that, that course is actually going to start at 6 p.m., so if you're here for, for want to be a part of that, there's also books uh, that we'll have in the bookstore, they're not quite there yet, but they will be there by Wednesday, and uh, further discussion, the Heart of a Caregiver will be continuing uh, this Wednesday as well. So lots of good things going on. You can read more about what's happening on in kids, our church picnic, ladies Bible study coming up, and student ministry there in your bulletin. So, but we're going to pray uh, as, as we leave as, as a final uh, act of worship in addition to uh, placing your offerings in the boxes there at the back. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for just the opportunity to come before you. We thank you that you 
your nature and, and who you are never change, but uh, that you respond to the, your people. Um, not that we manipulate you, not that we have any control over you, but that you guide us and you hear us. That's a relationship, God. And we thank you that we can have a relationship with you. We interact with you, that you love us, we love you, and you get us to where we need to be, God. So uh, we just pray that we can continue to seek you in prayer, to continue to seek you as we get into your word, that we can be the community believers here at First Baptist that make an impact in our community and all around the world, in our families, and our work, wherever it may be, God, for your glory, for your kingdom. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior is always there.